This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit and His help. I realize this one has gone long, but I recognize this is probably one of the more important series that we'll do in the course of this year, is understanding more about the Holy Spirit. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into two dimensions of the Holy Spirit and the church. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful. We're thankful for your mercy towards us, your counsel. So many of us, Father, you just bailed us out of situations when we were, when we were stupid and yet you were good. And we're so thankful for that. And we appreciate that. Father, I want to thank you for everyone who's here, everyone who's watching, everyone who's taken time to exalt you and your word in their life. What a smart thing. And so, Father, with all these smart people, we look to you and say, you know what? With your help, Lord, we'll receive something tonight that makes a difference in our life. So we ask for your wisdom and insight. We thank you for the anointing, which makes things clear and breaks the yokes off of us. We're grateful for all you've done and all you are doing. We're going to walk out of here different. In Jesus' name, amen. As we're doing our text, John 14, 16 through 17, and I will pray the Father... And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth and the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I want to talk a little bit about two dimensions of the Holy Spirit. But as we talk about this, I was thinking as I was driving the other day, and this thought just tipped me, it's a good thought. We ought never, never to forget that we're made up of three parts. That we're a three-part individual. We are a spirit. We have a soul which is very much connected to our spirit. That's our, our mind and our emotions, our reasoning facilities. And we live in a body. We're very familiar with our bodies. It's the easiest thing to identify. Our mind, our emotions, very easy to identify. But the idea that you're a spirit being is a good thing to keep in mind. Because when we talk about biblical subjects, keeping in mind these are spiritual subjects that we're talking about. And the Holy Spirit is definitely a spiritual subject. And so we're spiritual beings, and that, that is just a good reminder. Just every now and then I'll just say, you know, I am a spirit being, I have a soul, and I live in a body. And I'll just say that out loud as I'm driving around, I'm a spirit being. Because you do realize that one day you will leave your body. I just did a, uh, a funeral for a friend, and uh, I know where he is. He's a, he still exists. He's not in this realm. He's in the other realm. He's in heaven. But he's very much real and very much alive, and I'll see him again. Spirit beings will one day leave our bodies, unless we live to be a hundred. You know, still you're going to leave your body. And as spiritual beings, as you read, as we're reading these things, these are spiritual truths that really help us, and so we hang on to these spiritual truths. The second thing to hang on to as we're talking about the Holy Spirit is, I think sometimes we forget the fact that it's. It is a, a gift of great magnitude that God has given us a wonderful gift. How many of you know, believe God's love? How many of you believe God who is love would never give us anything that would hurt us? You wouldn't do that to your children. In fact, Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, will your father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? So we've, I think sometimes we forget, and I, I, I am guilty of it myself, I, that I've forgotten sometimes to say, Lord, I want to thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
I want to thank you that you, you've given him to me, that he lives in me and he dwells upon me. So I want to talk about two dimensions of the, of the Holy Spirit. You say two dimensions, the Holy Spirit within, the Holy Spirit upon, and they're different. So well, how can they be different? It's the same Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you a question. Um, I think a lot of us figured out a, few, a long time ago, at least I did, that if you want to stay healthy, you need to drink a lot of water. And so, I mean, there's, they, they, they advocate some, how much is it, like half your body weight uh, in ounces of water. I mean, the, drinking a lot of water is good. So I drink water. I had to really teach myself to, I, I, I never really liked to drink a lot of water. I would prefer, you know, I, I used to prefer Coke and then that won't, that won't work. Um, sweet tea, I grew up in the South. Sweet tea, it could double as syrup if you ever needed it. And, and that doesn't work either, but it tastes good. Lim I love lemonade, that, but just to drink water and, and to drink water. So I, I got accustomed to drinking water, to hydrate. I drink water. How many of you are water drinkers? You, you're always like, well, okay. Now, how many of you, you're not big water drinkers, but you're at least willing to bathe in it? <laughs> water, different dimension, right? You hydrate with it, hopefully you bathe with it. You wouldn't have one say, no, 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 no. I only drink it. I don't bathe in it. You're going to have a problem. There's going to be a hygiene problem. You're going to have a, you're going to have a social problem. It's going to be a problem for you. So there are two dimensions, two dimensions of water. You know the Holy Spirit is likened to water. John said, I baptize you with water. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So there's a, there's a likening to water. So there's two dimensions. First dimension is that's the Holy Spirit upon our, our, some of you, uh, obviously you know this, but it's always good to remind ourselves, the Holy Spirit within at the new birth, when you were born again, Jesus talked about being born of the Spirit. John 3, talked about being born of the Spirit. And Jesus said, in fact, we've been reading this text for weeks, and John 14, for you know him, he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus says, we're born of the Spirit, he dwells in us. Paul reinforced this truth. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. Romans 8, 9. Romans 8, 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So what, what is that saying? We say, well, do I have the Spirit of Christ? If you've been born again, you have the Spirit of Christ. He dwells in you. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Here's another scripture that talks about that. 2 Corinthians, first chapter, verse 21, 22. Now, he who establishes with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee, as a down payment. He said it's a, it really it acts as if a down payment. He has sealed us and given us the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So I, I never want, sometimes I, People who've come from Pentecostal backgrounds have said, well, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues, you're not even born again. That's, that's error. That's wrong. And so if someone ever tells you that, you can just go, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, now you've got scripture. I'm born of the Spirit. I have the Spirit of God dwelling in me. In fact, in Galatians, I believe 4, 6, Paul talks about that God has given us the Spirit to live in our hearts. So the Holy Spirit, when you are born again, lives in you. How else could he bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God? So after you became 
a, a believer, there's something on the inside of you that says you're a child of God. There's, there's a peace there. He bears witness with our spirit that we're a child of God. So there is the, the Holy Spirit living within us. Listen, I spent weeks talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I wasn't telling that to people who did not have the Holy Spirit. So we talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit because if you're born again, he's in you. But then there's a different dimension. There's, there's water in, but then there's water upon. There's the Holy Spirit upon. And I want you to catch the wording here that Jesus begins to talk about when he talks about the Holy Spirit upon. Acts 1, we're going to read 4, 5, and 8. Acts 1. Being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then verse 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So I want you to catch these words. And you shall be witnesses to me in uh, Jerusalem, Jesus. Would you go back to the, to the first one, guys? Can you do that? that? There you go. Thank you. John truly baptized with water. John the Baptist was baptizing with water. Baptizing with water, baptism means immersion. And so he would, he would baptize people and they would come up from the water. That's baptism. Now I know some people were sprinkled and some people were, but true baptism is immersion. Now, let me, let me qualify that. So I, I was never baptized. Does that, mean, does that mean I wasn't saved? Baptism does not save you. Making Jesus your Lord is what saves you. Baptism is merely an outward sign to the world of what's taking place on the inside. Does that make sense? In fact, if you think about it, altar calls didn't really show up until the, uh, the 20th century. And so when people were making decisions, one of their biggest witnesses of their decision for Christ was baptism. And in some cultures today, I know especially in India, when a believer gets baptized in India, that's, the, that's often the time when the family cuts them off because that's the outward sign. They're saying, I am identifying with Christ. I've been baptized. Immersion. So if you put that back up. It said, baptized, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Immersed in the Holy Spirit. And remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to people who had a mission. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, I want you to catch the word. Baptism, immersion, Holy Spirit upon. We just read verses that talked about the Holy Spirit living in. Now he's upon. One spirit, two different dimensions. Let me give you some other ones. The first experience on the day of Pentecost. Acts, the second chapter, they were... They were all with one accord in one place. Couldn't put that up. There appeared to them dividing tongues, divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So the Spirit again is upon. Then here's that Peter was referring to the Holy Spirit being poured out. Acts 2, 15 through 18. Now, remember, they got, they got filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Bible said that they came a sound like a, a rushing mighty wind, and it, it, and it filled the room, and it filled the place, and they spilled out into the street, and they're speaking in tongues, and people are hearing them in their own languages. And some people mocked and said, well, they're drunk. So Peter stands up. Now, remember, this was the Peter who had, had been backed off by that little girl when Jesus was um, arrested. Remember, he denied Jesus three times. Now he stands up in front of thousands of his peers 
and said, these are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day. In other words, we don't start drinking until later. But this is, <laughs> this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, said God, that I will pour out of my spirit, what's that next word? On all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Is that it? Oh, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Prophesy means to speak inspired utterance. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit being poured out. So you've got the Holy Spirit within and the Holy Spirit upon two different experiences. So when someone's born again and someone gets saved, we don't look at them and go, oh, the Holy Spirit was poured out on them today. You've never heard me say, hey, we, we, had, you know, we had 15 decisions last week. You don't hear me say, oh, well, the Holy Spirit was poured out on 15 people last week. We don't use that phrase. We use the phrase, people made a decision and they've become new creations in Christ. Right? They were born again. Born again is not a, an evangelical word. It's a Jesus word. He's the one that said it. Someone tried to take me to task one time. I don't believe in being born again. I'm not the one that said it. Jesus was the one that said it. You're born again. I, I love that idea. That means we are recreated. We're brand new. And so he said, you, you were... So when someone gets saved in this church, we rejoice. Someone comes in and goes, man, if your friend calls you that you've been ta talking to and praying for for a long time and says, man, I want to tell you something, I received Jesus last night. You don't go, oh, wow, the Holy Spirit was poured out on you. Right? You rejoice with them that they received Jesus. And you don't look at them and go, well, you may not be saved. You're rejoicing with them that they received Jesus. Because if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, guess what? That's all. That's all it takes. And so we rejoice at that. Two different experiences. Let me show you this from the Gentile church. So the, when the Jews, the, the people that were following Jesus, his disciples, man, when Jesus came, and man, they had that wonderful day in Pentecost. By the way, after Peter spoke, I think, was it 3,000 or 5,000 got saved? It's five? It's a five. It's a lot. And uh, 5,000 5, people got saved. And there was, there was, man, there was a revival going on in Jerusalem. But it wasn't going on anywhere else. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It wasn't going on anywhere else. And really, the, the mode of thinking around the Jews is, well, maybe the Samaritans can get saved. Because they're half Jewish anyway. But the Gentiles, mm -mm, it doesn't work that way. So no one was going to the Gentiles. God had to give Peter a vision. And Peter shows up in the house of a guy named uh, Cornelius. And it, it, took a, it took a vision to get him there. It took people coming and an angel. Talk. It really took some supernatural events for these people to break out of their box and realize that, that God had provided salvation for the Gentiles also, not just the Jews. And so Peter goes in and he starts, and, and Cornelius is there. He's, he's, he's a Roman centurion. He's got all of his, his friends with him, and he begins to preach to him. This is what he begins to say. Acts 10, 39, 43. This is part of his sermon. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, talking about Jesus, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. 
and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it was he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Does that mean you hear music? Am I the only one that hears music? They're being baptized right out here. Well, wonderful. Make all the noise you want. That's great. The, um, so it's salvation message. Jesus came. Jesus did good. Killed by the Jews. God raised him from the dead. And then whoever believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. So that's what we just read, right? Whoever believes in him will receive. He's talking to a group of people who were Gentiles. All of a sudden, something happens. Let's read what happens next. As soon as he mentions believe, here's what happened. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, the Jewish people, who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. Now, do you catch, catch how that progression was? So Peter goes into the house. There's a Roman centurion named Cornelius. He's a very devout man. He doesn't know anything about Jesus, but he just loves God. In fact, the, an angel, when an angel said, he said, your giving and your prayers have come up before God. And it was this guy, this Roman centurion, that they was the first Gentile convert. And so they sent, and so God sent Peter. And Peter just, when he walked in there, he said, you know what, I'm not even supposed to be with you guys. I'm not even supposed to. It's not right for a Jewish man to come into someone's home who's a Gentile. That what God has cleansed, don't any man call common. And so he stepped into there and he preached to them. And as soon as he mentioned, and whoever believes on him, whoever believes will be saved. As soon as he said that, they knew what to do. And they believed and then something happened. And then the Holy Spirit fell. The Bible said that the Holy Spirit fell on them and it astonished all the, the, the Jewish converts. Now, I can, boy, God is so smart. Isn't God smart? Because the, the, these Jews would, if they just said, oh, I received Jesus, these Jews would have probably been going. They didn't get nothing. They're Gentiles. They can't get nothing. But they were astonished because the Holy Spirit fell on them and they begin to speak with tongues. They're like, oh my goodness. That's what happened to us. It, and actually it was over 10 years ago. That's what happened to us. Now it's happened to them. God, you, in fact, they did it backwards. They believed, they got filled, and then Peter said, might as well get them baptized. So that shows right there, you can get saved without being baptized. Baptism can follow it. Baptism doesn't save you. Does this make sense? Second, so a, another thing happened, and they saw them. Now, how did they know that they were filled with the Spirit? Because they heard them speak with tongues. You know, I think a lot of people have no problem with the Holy Spirit. A lot of people have problem with tongues. I've heard a lot of people say, man, I, I want the Holy Spirit. I just don't want those tongues. <laughs> My pastor said it better than anyone. He says, he says, it's like buying a pair of shoes. The tongues come with it. <laughs> it's part of it. 
Now, I'll do a whole message on the benefits of, of being able to pray in tongues. But I'm going to tell you something again. I'm, I'm going to say this again. You've never had a bad experience with the Holy Spirit. You've had a bad experience with people who have operated and tried to operate in his name. So, well, the Holy Spirit told me to do this. I've been, I've been born again and then filled with the Spirit for, it's over 40 years now. And I'd say for every, every day, for almost over 40 years, and I hope this doesn't rock your world, I pray in the Spirit. I pray in other tongues. And uh, I don't do it here because it wouldn't benefit you. Me speaking in tongues here ain't going to bless you. <laughs> Freak some of you out, but uh, it, uh, it ain't, it ain't going to bless you. And so I don't in the church. Now, here's the, here's the deal. I'm about as conservative and straight-laced as they come. And so if you're thinking, man, I don't want to get filled with the Holy Spirit, I'll get weird. If you think I'm weird, I am so not weird. I'm just not a weird guy. In fact, I tell people, oh, man, we ought to hang out. I say, you would not like hanging out with me. I'm kind of boring. Ask Joy. She'll tell you. Uh, but the idea is it's a, there's a real benefit there. Remember we said God who loves us wouldn't give us something that would hurt us. He would only give us something that would help us. And I think sometimes we've looked at this wrong, like, I, I don't know about that. I, I, don't, I don't know about that tongue stuff. Well, let me, tell you, let, me, let me help you with this. You get filled with the Spirit. I've been filled with the Spirit. I've, I've operated, I've had high-level business meetings with, with multi-level corporations and made presentations. As a sales rep, I had to make my living talking to people. You can't walk in a room and try to sell something and then just all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just hits you and you fall on the floor and speak in tongues. That has never happened and it won't happen. Now, I did scare a guy to death one time. I just, this is just my irreverent sense of humor. I was training him to be a sales rep. We were standing in the bank lobby and he goes, I'll tell you something. He's a big blustery guy. So I'll tell you something. He said, my wife, her grandma, crazy. Speaks in tongues. Gives all her money to Pat Robinson. Crazy. Crazy. I, did, I had enough of him. So we're standing in the middle of the bank lobby, and I looked at him, and I said, Larry, I'm one of those guys that speaks in tongues, too. He looked at me like this. I said, I get this look in my eye. I said, in fact, I feel a spell coming on right now. Oh, just flat freaked him out, man. He did not mess with me for the rest of the, man, the whole time he worked. In fact, we were driving down the road a couple of days later. I went, oh, take the wheel, take the wheel. <laughs> not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. But the bottom line is this, is, is that when we see the evidence of the Holy Spirit, we see the, the tongues that come with it, and there's, a real, there's real good reasons for it. In fact, I've often told people, I said, if what it adds to my prayer life is absolutely invaluable. And I'll tell you something, my wife prays for you guys every day, and she prays in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows what's going on in your life, and we don't. And he can pray for you, help us pray for you much better. Does that make sense? So if you'll stay with me, now I realize, again, I just, some of you are like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. Just hang on. Like I said, the Holy Spirit will never make you weird. 
He will make you more Christ-like. And that's a huge blessing. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for you. You're so loving and kind, and you've done so much for us. We're thankful for the Holy Spirit and his gift, that he indwells us. And for many of us, Father, we've been empowered by him for service to be more of a blessing to the people around us. Thank you for that. We appreciate that gift. And we don't count it lightly because it's a valuable gift. We thank you for it. We also thank you even more for the gift of salvation, the gift that we get to spend eternity with you. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you came and you're here tonight and you say, Alan, I've never, I've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe you're saying, Alan, I, I did that and I've gotten away from God. Well, we're going to say a very simple prayer. We're not going to have you stand up or, or come to the front. We're not going to try to embarrass you. But we want to give you an opportunity to make that connection with the Lord that will absolutely change not just your life but your eternity. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you that I'm talking to and you say, Alan, I'm a candidate, would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up real quickly across the auditorium and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Anyone else? Appreciate your courage. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to, you can, you can still jump in right on this. This is a heart prayer. We're going to say it with you. It's church family. If you're watching online, listen, here's the key. If you're watching online, if you're by yourself, say this prayer with us out loud. You don't have to be in a church to receive salvation. It is right there. And maybe if you're with other people, you can pray it quietly. We're going to pray as a church family here. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. And my past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. We rejoice with them. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.